Bismillah, Alhamdulillah, Wassalatu Wassalamu Ala Rasulullah Wa Ala Alihi Wa Sabi Ajma'een Ashadu La Ilaha Illallah Ashadu Wa Muhammadin Abduhu Wa Rasul You're listening to the new Today Islam and we're broadcasting almost live all the way from New Jersey today. What city am I in? South what? South Brunswick. Yeah, township. I used to know that. <laughs> today, alhamdulillah, today we're very fortunate because we're addressing the wave of the future, we might say. Because we're talking with the youth here in New Brunswick, New Jersey, about the subject of the role of the Muslim youth in America's future. So, and that's that's a big title, by the way, and I just started up, by the way. So, alhamdulillah, I think that works. But what I really want to say is something a, a little more personal, and that is that the brother who picked me up from the airport, who had not met me before, was riding with me to take me here, and as we were coming, he was telling me some things and asking me questions, and the subject came up about what should we do now? I mean, okay, forget about whatever we've done in the past that didn't work. What can we do now that will work? What will work? What can we do? Can we get involved in politics? Maybe, you know, we'll get a Muslim president and things will change. <laughs> I'm sorry, I wasn't, I wasn't going to laugh, but I couldn't help it. Can you imagine that? I know that some people would say, well, maybe that's good. But then you'll find some that will say it's bad. I think you'll divide the Muslim community up even more if you try to do that. Then he said, well, how about through financial structure, you know? Well, <laughs> I don't know if you know a lot about finance, but it looks like a lot of the Muslims are going to non-Muslim sources to get money, and that's not really the best thing either. So I don't think we're going to be able to show anybody anything with that. He talked to me about a number of ideas, and I wish that we could say yes to something. How about a television station? Well, <laughs> our only radio station for Islam went off the air just two months ago. In fact, it's one that this program used to be broadcast on. Alhamdulillah. And we can't do anything legally, because nobody wants to hear it. We, we were in good status. They're standing with the broadcasting network there, but they just took us right off the air. They said we don't anything to do with some Islamics. And we have nowhere to go. So if we can't even keep a radio station on in Washington, D.C., how are we going to put on a television network? And by the way, we weren't getting rich off of that one. That was costing us more money than we could take in on it, so I, I can't imagine how we would do it in the media. And pretty soon it starts to look bleak and you say, well, there's no future then. But yes, there is. There's a good future. And you know what that future is? It's our youth. It's our youth because they have something that maybe some of us lost along the way somewhere. When we became too involved in the material world, we became too involved in our families, too involved in our money, our job, our position, our new house, our new car. We have something that we lost, which is the goal or the dream to show Islam the right way in this country. But it's not too late. It's not too late now to support our youth and give them the support that they need and the encouragement that they need 
to carry this message to the people. And what is the message? What's the message that we're trying to get to the people? Let's focus on that for just a few minutes. The word Rasul, the word Rasul comes from the Arabic root, which means message. And one who is a Rasul is a messenger, one who carries the message. So this is interesting because that's what we refer to Muhammad, peace and blessing be upon him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as Rasul. Rasul. And he said he was the last of the Rasul. Messenger. Now in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about Nabi or Anbiya from the same root. And this means a prophet. Now, all of the prophets carry the same message and all of the Rasuls are prophets, but not all of the prophets are Rasuls. Okay? And there's something special about a messenger because when he comes, he brings, you might say, the latest up-to-date version of how Allah wants to be worshipped. When, for instance, Abraham came and Moses came, and Jesus came, peace be upon all of them, they told their people, this is how Allah wants you to worship Him. All of the messengers did the same thing. But all of the prophets said the message as well, which is what? La ilaha illallah. Now let's focus on that for a minute. What does that mean? This is a very beautiful statement, and even a baby can say it. If you ever listen to babies... Any nationality, any race, babies are constantly making noises. You know that. And usually they make noises like la, 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 ba, 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 la, la. You hear them? They make little noises. Listen to this. La, ilaha, illallah. It's easy to say it, isn't it? Anybody could say that. What does it mean? It means there's nothing anywhere in the creation worthy of my worship. Only the one true creator and sustainer of all that exists. And he alone is worthy of my worship. And only he do I worship. He's the only one that I love and devote myself and dedicate myself to. And I want to do it all on his terms. That's what this statement is. very big. And when you try to translate it to English, it's so big that people have written books, even volumes about the subject, La ilaha illallah. And the Prophet ﷺ told us that it's light on the tongue, but it's heavy on the scale of balance on the Day of Judgment. For whoever said La ilaha illallah with conviction, then the fire is forbidden to them. The one who really believes La ilaha illallah, they believe that there is a God, a real God, not a part-time God, not some kind of God you can put in the creation, but the kind of God that's real, existed before creation, and who's in total control, this God, and the person's willing to worship that God on his terms and on his conditions, in this case, the person who says this, then the fire is forbidden to him. And it means, too, it, that it could be anybody. It could be a person who is a, a Muslim, or it could be a person who doesn't know he's a Muslim. You don't have to know Arabic. 
He doesn't have to know the Quran. He doesn't have to know Muhammad Wasallam. What he has to know is that whatever's in front of him, that he understands, he has to take what he understands and operate on that. What's my proof? In Islam, we only have really the source of proof coming from one person, Muhammad, peace be upon him. The Quran came through Muhammad, and then his teachings about the Quran came right with that. What he, peace be upon him, told us was that if anybody hears about me and this message of La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, from the Jews and the Christians, and they don't accept it, then they'll be in the nar, in the fire. A lot of times people ask me the question, are you saying that Christians can't go to paradise? Are you saying that no other religion can go to paradise? I said, no, just listen real close. Don't read something into what I said. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. It's already bad enough I translated it to English. Okay, so you don't play with that. You want to go back and read the Arabic. And listen, what did the Prophet ﷺ say? If they hear about it, I mean, they have to understand it. But if you understand that there's really one God, and you understood that He sent messengers, and you understood that He ordered himself, he wants his worshippers to worship him on his terms. This is a rational argument. This is not a religious point of view. It's a rational argument. There's God, yes? Okay. He ordered you to do something, yes? You understood it, yes? And now you reject it? You consciously reject this? Means what? Of course you go to hell. We're not talking about Islam from the perspective of something that came 1400 years ago. You have to be careful. There's a number of times I've run across things. For instance, the word sunnah. And the way people say, well, sunnah, sunnah. And they put everything on, on one focus here. And sunnah has different meanings depending on what part of Islam you're talking about. If you're talking about hadith, that's sunnah. And if you're talking about mithla or not uh, obligatory acts, that's also called sunnah. So, anything the Prophet ﷺ does is also called sunnah. And also, the way anything is done on a regular basis, the way it is accomplished, is also called sunnah. So you have to know how the word's being applied or how it's being meant. So when we say Islam, I'm going to give you two understandings of how you mean it. It's the same word, but how you're using it. Because if you said only people that believe in Islam and submit to Allah as Muslims will go to paradise, immediately the argument's going to come, well, what about all the people that lived before Muhammad Sallallahu Good argument, too. But who brings me this argument to most of the Christians? And I kind of laugh. I have to laugh. I said, before I answer your question which I'm very prepared to do, by the way, I have to ask you, how do you deal with your religion? Because you're absolutely saying that anything before Jesus is not the right religion. How do you salvage these people who lived before Jesus? They sure didn't call on Jesus to die for their sins, did they? They never even heard of Him. And they don't have an answer. And it's strange that the one who doesn't have an answer to that question comes and throws that at me. 
It means if you're a logical person, if I have something now better than what you have, it should be that you'll come with me. Yes or no? But if you see I have something better than what you have and you still refuse it to stay on what you have, then really and truly, that's, that's not a person seeking after truth, is it? Is it? No. So now let's look, what does, what does it mean? What do we imply when we say this in Islam? Take the word itself, Islam. We're going to break this word down and make it the focus of this talk this afternoon. Islam comes from the root sin, lam, neen, slim, or salama. Okay, and I'm not here to teach Arabic. I'm just telling you that's how it comes. From that root come the meanings of total surrender. You know, like this. You put your hands up like this. Of course, in the airport they have me put my hands like this, but that's okay. Anyhow, <laughs> I'm getting used to that. So, that's surrender. But then there's something else called submission. Now, submission is not exactly the same as surrender, and both come from the same root. Sin la mean. Submission means you're going to agree to some terms here. You're going to sign something or swear to something and commit to something, and this is what was called, what we call in English, a covenant or a testament. That's what they're talking about, the Old Testament. That's the testament that bears witness to the reality of the religion of monotheism that came with Adam and Abraham and Moses and Solomon. David, Jesus, all of them had the same thing. And that's why I'm going to lead up to that in a minute. But so there's a covenant or a testament. And the major prophets are called what? We said Rasuls, and they brought this, a testament. And if you were alive at the time of Moses, peace be upon him, he brought the commandments of Allah, he was a Rasul. That means you've got to follow what he said to do. And if you didn't do it, well, it didn't matter what you believe, it matters what you do about what you believe. Okay? Second according to Christianity anyway, the Second Testament is the Injil in Arabic. In English, they call it the Gospel. And if you wonder, is that okay to say Gospel? Is that a good translation? It's the exact translation. It's a beautiful translation of Injil. Because it means what? Good news. The good news. An evangelist. Ever heard of an evangelist? Comes from what word? In Jew. Hello. Hello. It's not as far away as you thought. <laughs> We're right in the backyard, aren't we? So, when you know that Islam is calling you to something, to surrender, to submit to some terms, the next word is obey. It means you're going to do what you said you're going to do. I mean, anybody catch you, like, say the policeman stopped you, you surrender. He said, you're speeding. You say, yeah. He said, I'm going to let you go, but we've got to have an agreement here. You've got to stop speeding. You say, sure, okay. Well, sign this paper. Okay, I'll sign it. Or swear in front of God you won't swear. Okay, I'll do it. Whatever you say. And as soon as he lets you go, you start speeding again. What? It means you didn't obey. So there's a condition missing. Now, this is very key because a lot of Muslims think they're Muslim because they know that there's only one God and they think that's all they need to do. But there's a whole lot more than that. 
First of all, you got to know what the laws are. How do you know what the laws are if you don't ever study Islam? And then when you learn it, you have to obey it. Not one of these things, you know, that's just a sin. I don't have to do that. Is that in the Quran? Are you sure? Whose translation are you reading? This is not the, this is not the way of somebody who wants to submit. It's not the way of somebody who wants to obey, is it? He's already looking for a way out, or she's looking for a way out. Do I have to wear a hijab? Why? Can you prove it? Show me any place. I've had people talk to me that way. You say, now before I go and bring any proof to you, are you really prepared to act on what you hear? If you see it in the Quran, are you ready to put the hijab on? Because if you aren't, you better back up right now. If you want to come to me and ask me, there's nothing in Islam say you have to grow a beard. Now, hold on. Before you say that, are you prepared to go out here and buy a Santa Claus beard until yours comes in if you find out you're supposed to have it? Are you? Because if you're not, don't, don't make statements like that. This is not somebody being obedient. Let's go to the fourth word, or five. The fourth word is what? Sincerity. And naturally, if somebody's doing this way, they're naturally not going to be very sincere, are they? But there are some who grow a big beard or put on a hijab, hopefully not both. And these folks that are out here, you can laugh at these jokes if you want to. You don't have to, but I'll pay you a little extra if you will. <laughs> Makes it more interesting for the folks at home, you know. But seriously, you know, if, if a person is really sincere about what they're doing, then they're going to do it whether anybody's watching them or not. And the biggest sincerity to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who gets up in the night when nobody's watching. Nobody knows. And they go in and they make wudu, wash up for the prayer, and put something nice on maybe, you know. And sometimes even put fragrance. They smell nice. Everything. I mean, it's like they're going to be standing in front of a president or a king. Because why? They're standing in front of the, the Malik. The king. The Rabbil Alameen. The Lord of the worlds. So they get up. And in the night, when nobody can see what they're doing except Allah. And they're praying to Allah and crying to Allah. And telling Him and asking Him. And these are the people that Allah really loves them so much. And he likes to come what? Close to them in the night and take their prayers directly from them. He's even saying in the last part of the night, is there anybody, is there anybody who would like to do this? He's coming close to you, asking, anybody like to do this? And what are we doing? We call it in English cutting logs. Sound like somebody with a saw. You don't want to get up. Why? Because it's just a sunnah, that's all. It happens to be one of the sunnahs that could really save us right now. It happens to be one of the sunnahs that might make the difference about us making it or not making it in this and the next life. You say, brother, that's not a part. I don't have to do it. The whole attitude coming like that, I feel sorry for you. I feel sorry for anybody that's got that kind of attitude because it's definitely an attitude of ingratitude. One of the things that Allah really hates. He wants people to be grateful for what He gives them. That sincerity makes everything. Because with it, 
Allah accept what you do. Without it, it doesn't matter what you do. You're never going to be accepted. And the fifth and final word is peace. So many times, you know, Muslims, when they try to explain Islam, you know what they say? Islam is peace. Hold up their little fingers like a V. Islam is peace. Man, this ain't the 60s and you're not a hippie. Islam does not mean peace. If it did, then you would say, Assalamu alaikum like this. Islam alaikum. You don't say Islam alaikum, do you? No. You say, well, that's the wrong word. Then why'd you say it meant salam? Why'd you say it meant peace? It's in there. They come from the same root. Yes. Aslam. Taslim. Islam. Salam. Yes. They're coming from the same root. But in Islam, salam is only one of the five words. That means it's what? One-fifth. It's only 20%. What about the other 80%? Before you start talking about peace, and first of all, you don't know what peace is. We're not talking about peace in the Middle East. We're talking about this. And by the way, we're not going to have any peace in the Middle East until the Muslims come to grips with this subject. <laughs> we're never, you're fooling nobody but yourself. The only reason Allah does not give victory to the Muslims is because the Muslims are not acting deserving for it. This is why we don't have this peace. Because look, unless you do this, you won't have it. Do what? Islam. Do Islam. Surrender to Allah. Give up to Allah. Submit to Allah. Go find out what He wants you to do. That's the point. And then do it. Obey Allah. And then do it in sincerity. And then peace. The peace between you and Allah. No matter what happens around you, if you have this peace with Allah, it's not going to bother you. Because you're going to understand that all of this is coming from Allah as a test. Because He said in the Quran, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ جِنْوَلْ إِنْتِ إِلَّا لِعَبْدُونَ means what? It means that He only created all of us for one purpose. To submit to Him on His terms, to worship Him alone and not make partners with Him. Worship the Creator, not what He created. Make sense? logical argument. Now let's cap it off with this. And this is simple. When we said Islam came 1400 years ago with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and anybody who follows that Islam is called a new Islam or Muslim, one who does Islam. That's all that Muslim means. Somebody's trying to do Islam. What about the people before Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? That's simple. Because before Muhammad Wasallam came, if the message reached the people, and Allah said He never punishes the people unless He sent them a messenger or a warner first, if the message came to them, worship your God and no other, that's all you were asked to do. You weren't asked to take a course in Arabic. You weren't asked to memorize something in the Arabic language called Quran. It wasn't revealed yet. But it means that every human being, even today, can submit to God on God's terms. From Adam until now. From Adam until now. All the people have to do is recognize there's a God. Somebody created all this. Somebody created me. Somebody gave me a brain. Somebody gave me the ability to reason and think. Somebody gave me food to eat. Somebody made me have a body which needs food. And then they gave me the food to eat. What should I say? 
Thank you. Thank you. And if you can't say thank you, if you can't be grateful, then what kind of a person are you? So there are those who deny, they deny Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala completely. They say there is no God. Atheists. No head. Then there are those who accept there's a God. They say, yeah, okay, there's a God. But they don't want to obey Him. They want to make up a religion and they say it should be like this or like that. And I think God will like it if I go dancing every night and that will be a good exercise for me. Did He tell you to do that? Did He? In this case, it means what? It means you're making it up and He's not going to accept it. And these are common sense statements. I just, just common sense. But guess what? Everything that I just told you in plain old common English is available in some of the most beautiful Arabic language you ever heard in your life in the Quran and in the sayings of Muhammad sallallahu Allah said in the Quran, in the dina in the lahi islam. For sure, the only way of life that Allah is going to accept from us is for us to submit and surrender and obey in sincerity and in peace to Him on His terms. Now I gave that the full meaning because I want to get the emphasis behind the, what we're talking about. This is in chapter 3, Surah Ali Muran, verse 19. Read it. Short. Inna dina inna lahi islam. A few verses later, Allah gives the authority of why we have to follow Muhammad, peace be upon him. When people try to tell you, oh, just the sunnah. We have some tapes on this subject, by the way. I hope you'll get those called just the sunnah. Okay, make you really think. But Allah said here that the meaning of the verse say, Say, O Muhammad, to these people who say they love Allah, tell them, if you really love Allah, then follow me. Follow Muhammad. Because then, and only then, will Allah love you. And that's when He's going to forgive you your sins. Because He is the Ghafur Rahim. He's the forgiver, and He's the merciful. This is a condition. Your love stinks if it's not in the right direction. Because it's not really love. It's lust. It's desire. It's greed. And you're calling it love. It's not love. It's possessive. You want to own it. Like some boys I heard one time, I love that girl. Yeah, well, I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to go over here and I want you to see her mother. Her mother is 62 years old over here, okay? An old lady. What do you say about this lady? Well, she's an old lady. Oh, I don't like that. Because this girl is going to grow up and she's allowed to be just like that. So if what you have for this girl you can't have for this old lady, this is not love, is it? It's pure lust. That's all it is. You're being attracted by something in this dunya, in this world. You're going to be distracted. You're going to make a mistake. Likewise, when you say you love Allah, how do you say you love Allah when you don't want to even do what He asks you to do? You can't even say thank you for your eyesight. You can't say thank you for your ability to think. You can't say thank you for the food on your table every day. 
or even worse, and Allah really hates this, is to thank somebody that had nothing to do with it. And think about this. Think about it. Somebody invites you to dinner, and you go there to eat, and it's a lovely meal, your favorite dishes, things you like, your favorite drink, everything. Then you get up and walk out of the house and go next door to somebody you don't even know and you say, hey, thanks a lot for a great meal. Everybody there thinks you're crazy, but your host thinks you're very rude on top of it. So how would it be that Allah, who gave us life in the first place, gives us everything that we've got, takes care of us, and we go thank something that He created? Now do you see why He hates this thing so much called making partners with Him in worship, or shirk as it's called in Arabic? Can you understand it? It's totally disrespectful. And it stinks. So that's why we say that anybody could have been a Muslim at any point in time in history. And anybody can today. And it would be accepted to Allah because He knows what's in their hearts. But He's never going to ask from a person more than what they can bear. And He's never going to put on them more than they carry. And He's never going to blame somebody for what somebody else did. And He said in the Quran, لا يكالف فله نفس إلا وسها the meaning of basically what I just said. That Allah doesn't load anybody up more than they can handle. And He sure doesn't punish or try somebody for what other people do. So each one of us, we're on our own. We work together as a community, but you got to know on the Day of Judgment you're going to be individually separated out. And you're going to be faced with what you did. And I am too. So this is the message. This is a simple, simple, simple message that anybody can carry. But you have to have a desire. You have to have something inside of you that says, i got to get up this morning and go do what i got to do. It Was it raining? You're still going to do it anyway. I was talking to one of our brothers earlier today. He was talking about being in Canada. And he said up in Canada, he said they get a blizzard. And he was visiting, and he said, the kids started putting their clothes on in the morning after Fajr getting all day. He said, where are you going to go in the blizzard? He, they said, we're going to school. He said, in this kind of weather? They said, look, if we don't go to school in this kind of weather, <laughs> we'll be going to school all year long. Because there's always going to be something. So we're going to go. Unless it's an ice storm. Other than that, they're going to go. For us, I'm from Texas. If it even looks like snow is going to hit the ground, even if it gets wet with snow, we slam on the brakes, slam into each other, have wrecks, everything, close the schools, close the malls, close everything. What I'm saying is commitment. If you know it's something you're going to do, it doesn't matter if it's snowing, it doesn't matter if it's like fog. When we landed the airplane today, the fog was so thick that when we broke out of it, we were almost on the ground. It scared me. It scared me. By the way, it's time for me to put a joke in here because I can't talk too serious too long without a joke. That's one of my rules. And this is a true story. As we landed the airplane, I was thinking, that I hope it's a veteran pilot landing this thing. You know what I'm saying? We landed, and as we pulled into the dock where you get out, we had to wait for them to bring the thing because we were too early. So while we were sitting there, one of the people that works in the airplane, what do you call them now? They don't call them stewardess anymore. They call them what? 
flight attendant. Yeah, whatever. So the flight attendant saying, by the way, we want you to congratulate Captain Gregory or whatever his name is because this is his last and final flight. 25 years he completed today when we landed there at the airport. What Was that in Newark? I don't know. They're going to change it? What to what? Liberty? Okay. It's, it's their airport. So when we, when we were there, it said when the door opens, that's it. He's finished. He's automatically retired. He's no longer a captain. 25 years. So give him big congratulations. And everybody starts saying, oh, wonderful, and clapping, all this kind of stuff, you know. And then the flight attendant said, oh, and congratulate him on his new endeavor, his new business he's going into. He's going to be working at Walmart as a greeter. <laughs> that kind of hits home to us old folks. <laughs> in, any case, in any case, what we want to realize is that we have a message, a very simple message, but a very powerful message. And for our youth today to carry the message, they're going to need a commitment. Some people are going to tell you you need education, and you do. Some people are going to tell you you need cooperation, work together, brotherhood, sisterhood, and you do. But more than anything else, you're going to need dedication. So that when you get up in the morning, you're going to do it no matter what the weather is like. Or no matter what the obstacles are in front of you. you got to go. And you don't care if everybody's against you, you're still going to do what you're going to do. And it doesn't matter if it costs you money. We're not talking about making money here. Even if it costs you out of your pocket, you're still going to do it. Because you know this is what you got to do. Because when you reach that level, then you just became a messenger of the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And our prophet, peace and blessing be upon him, told us in a good hadith, for those that hear it today, and he was speaking on Arafat shortly before he died, he said, for those that hear this message today, take this message to those who are not here, not present. And he indicated by this that he wants them to carry it to the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one. He said, and it's hoped that those that hear it at the end understand it better than those that are present today. So I'm going to close by saying these words and making a prayer, dua, supplication to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those people who understand that message and make us of those people who are committed to that message and make us of the people who will carry that message until the Yom Qiyamah, until the Day of Judgment. Amen. May Allah bless your community. May Allah bless your youth. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect all of you from every evil thing in this life. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasan wa fil akhirati hasan wa kina dabinnar. Amin. O Allah, we ask you of the good of this life and the good of the next life. And we seek refuge in you from the punishment of your fire. Amin. Now, alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. Hu Allah ja'alana muslimin. You've been listening to Today Islam and we're broadcasting almost live all the way from where? South Brunswick, New Jersey. I told you I used to know that.